Okay, well, good. Looks like we have good representation from multiple states and cities. I'm sure more people will be joining us, but but let's kick it off. So again, four secrets to better sex. What are those secrets? We're going to get into those. Before we do so, I'm going to talk a little bit about who I am. Some of you may already know me. Some of you have no idea who I am. So I'm just going to spend a few moments introducing myself. That's my wife and I, that picture. Uh, this was about two years ago on a road trip we took to Utah. and. So here's a few tidbits about me. One is I've been married since 1999 with four kids. So I've been married for a while. Some of you may have been married longer than me, shorter than me, but I've been married since then, 1999. We have four kids and they range from 13 to 20. And so we have three in the house, one out of the house. A second one's going to be moving out in a couple of weeks. Uh, So we're in the throes of raising teens. Uh, So I'm sure a lot of you are in that same boat. So I know what you're going through. My education, I have a master's and a doctorate in clinical psychology. I'm a licensed psychologist in Boulder, Colorado. I've been in private practice since 2004, and I started graduate school in around 1999. So the same year we got married is when I started graduate school. Uh, so I've been in private practice since 2004 in Boulder, and I haven't gone far. I started off in one building and I've only moved within like a hundred yards of that original building. So I'm still in that same vicinity in Boulder, but I, I specialize in couples. So everything I do is couples work. I developed a lot of resources for couples. My personal mission is to reduce the divorce rate one marriage at a time. I also have a podcast. If you haven't listened to it already called the Dr. Wyatt show podcast. I highly recommend it. If you enjoy podcasts, just because you always want to be feeding your marriage. And the podcast is short. It's normally about 15 minutes. There's a lot of practical takeaways. So it's just a great resource if you want to keep building your relationship. Last thing I'm going to talk about is I also have a marriage boot camp. I know some of you are already in it, which is great. Uh, So the boot camp is a resource I developed about a year ago to give couples access to my best resources. I join it once a week for live support. We actually have our uh, class tonight at five o'clock right after this. So anyway, so if you are looking for more resources and more opportunity to work with me, consider the boot camp. This is the most affordable resource I offer, and we'll be talking more about that at the end. Okay, so first thing we're going to get into here is who cares about sex? Like, why are we even talking about this? Why is this topic even important? So let's get into why regular sexual contact is healthy and important for your marriage. A lot of times it digresses to his needs or it's just her needs. While needs are important, there's a higher need for sex and that's your marital needs because sex is healthy for a marriage. It bonds a couple together and has several benefits. So one way to think about sex is it's a symbol of your commitment and love to one another, just like your rings. So we all have a wedding ring, right? If you're married, you're engaged, we have a ring on our finger. And why do you wear a ring? It's to symbolize, I am yours, you are mine. I'm committed to you, you're committed to me. It's a symbol. Sexual activity is also a symbol of I am yours, you are mine. So it's a very powerful representative, just like our rings. Number two, sex bonds you emotionally, physically, and spiritually. So emotionally, when couples have intimacy, they usually feel more known, closer, more connected. Physically, it bonds you because it releases oxytocin in the brain, the love drug. Spiritually, it bonds you because you're going to enter into sacred territory. 
this is the space where only you and your partner get to enjoy one another in this way. So it's also a spiritual bondedness. The third thing to consider with sex is you may or may not know this, but research shows sex improves immune functioning, sleep quality, it decreases pain, it improves cognitive functioning, and it reduces stress. So there's a lot of health benefits to sex. And so it's always interesting because you know you've been wired for something if there's a lot of health benefits when you do that something, such as exercise, such as being socially connected, those activities, volunteering. There's a lot of health benefits to those activities, just like there is to sex. Okay. So I always make the joke at my conference when I talk about this, that, you know, if you're married to someone who's worried about getting sick or COVID suggest to have more sex, that's going to improve the immune system. Or if you're married to someone who doesn't sleep very well, suggest having sex, it's going to help them fall asleep. Or if you're married to someone who's really stressed out, suggest sex because that's going to lower stress. So there's a lot of health benefits in addition to all the bonding elements of having sexual connection with your partner. So what's the problem? The problem is most couples don't have enough sexual activity. Um, often couples either have obligation sex or no sex. And that's an issue. And there's a couple of reasons why that is. One might be past trauma. So this is where one of you may have had sexual trauma in your past, and that was horrible for you, understandably. And because of that, you avoid sex because it reminds you of the trauma. This was my experience. And my wife went through a lot of trauma growing up sexually. So when we got married, all of her trauma came to the surface, making her want nothing to do with anything sexual. And that created all sorts of problems in our marriage that we eventually had to reach out for support for and work through all the scar tissue that created for us. So past trauma can be one reason. Another one is busy lifestyles. You know, if you're busy all the time, you know, doing chores, working, childcare, life is busy, not sleeping enough. And if you're really busy, then before long, you, you've squeezed out time with your partner. And if you don't have enough quality time with your partner, or if you're too stressed yourself, you're not going to be in the right mind frame for sexual connection. So busy lifestyles is another contributor to not having enough sexual activity. A third is differences in libido. Most couples have a high libido and low libido partner. That's normal. But what often happens is the high libido partner starts off initiating early in the relationship. And at first, the low libido partner is receptive. But over time, things start breaking apart and the low libido partner is not receptive, is not open. So the high libido partner stops initiating. And before long, we're not having sex. So that's another common struggle couples have. So these are just three of the most common reasons why couples don't have enough sexual activity. So what's the impact? The impact is marriage starts to fall apart. So when a couple stops having sex, the marriage starts to crumble. When the marriage starts to crumble, couples stop having sex. So it's a chicken or the egg, but it definitely creates a vicious cycle. Less we have sex, the less connected we are. The less connected we are, the less we have sex. Round and round it goes. So what happens when there's not enough sex in a relationship is the high libido partner starts to pull away because sex for them is their main way to feel loved, connected, valued, close. So when that sexual connection 
goes away or dissolves, they start pulling away. And then when they start pulling away, the low libido partner is not getting that quality time. It's not getting that emotional connection or affection they desire. So the low libido partner starts pulling away. Now we have a vicious cycle because both partners are pulling away from each other because their top core needs are not being met. The sexual intimacy for the high libido, emotional intimacy for low libido, neither needs are getting met. So they're both starting to pull away. And this is where the vicious cycle sets in. And this is where my marriage was for the longest time, because there was little to no sexual contact. I was pulling away because I was pulling away. My wife wasn't getting any emotional connection that she desired. So she was pulling away and now we're stuck vicious cycle. So when this happens is when resentment and distance starts to build resentment starts to creep in there because your top needs aren't being met. So high libido partners get resentful that there's no sex. Low libido partners get resentful that there's not enough quality time and emotional connection. And you start feeling like siblings. You start feeling like business partners. You start feeling like roommates instead of lovers. And so that resentment and distance is right on the heels of that vicious cycle. So what's the secret? What's the secret to building a sustainable, healthy thriving sex life in your relationship? Is it lingerie? And a lot of people start at the wrong, wrong spot to improve their sex life. They think, well, maybe if we just kind of dress more sexy, or maybe if we play a sexual game, or maybe we just need to read an article on how to spice up the bedroom. Now there's nothing wrong with all those ideas and all those ideas can be helpful. However, it's not the place to begin. So the answer is not lingerie. Okay. The answer is not, let's just try to be sexier. It's deeper than that. So this is the wedding cake model that I call it. And these are the four secrets to better sex in your relationship. And they go in order. So at the base, and we're going to talk further about this, at the base is resentments. You have to work through resentments if you want better sex. The next is the friendship. If you want to have better sex, you have to develop a friendship with your partner. It's hard to have sex with someone you don't feel like you're friends with. The next tier up is you have to start wooing each other and having sensual activity. And when that's going well, you move to the top tier, which is sexual. That's when you start having sexual contact. So if you're here tonight and you're like, man, I wish we had better sexual contact. Look at this pyramid and think about where are we stuck? Where do we need help? Where are we depriving our relationship? Because you're not going to have the peak experience without the base of the pyramid supporting it. So this often puts things in perspective for couples. So they see, oh, well, no wonder, no wonder we're having problems in the bedroom. We have a lot of resentments or no wonder we're having problems in the bedroom. We never nurture our friendship or no wonder we're having problems in the bedroom. We don't do any sensual time. It's either no touching or sex. And that's, that doesn't work long-term for lower libido partners. So just think of this visual as we go through it, because each of these tiers are needed to support the sexual contact at the top. Okay, so here are the four secrets to unpack them further. So the one, like I mentioned, is heal your resentments. So resentments build walls. And if you've been together with your partner for more than a month, you've noticed they're not perfect. I'm not perfect. We have issues. We all have issues. We're imperfect. 
living with someone who's imperfect. And so needs are not going to be met perfectly. Feelings are going to get hurt. Things are going to bother you. It's normal. But we're not taught how to deal with those feelings. And because of that, resentment takes hold. And it's like a weed. It goes down deep. It turns bitter. And so when we're feeling resentful, we build walls. We detach. We protect ourselves. And so there's no way you're going to want to have sex with your partner if you have all of these walls. So resentment is the number one first spot to start if you want a better sex life. If you stick, if you skip this step, you're not going to have a great sex life. Okay. Because you're going to have walls. It's hard to have sex when you're divided. And like I mentioned, so most couples sweep resentments right under the rug because we're not taught how to resolve them. We're not taught how to talk through them. We're not taught how to process through the feelings and see what we can own and how can we make amends. We're not taught that stuff. We just sweep it under the rug. And because of that, that rug, that lump in the rug gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And that's all that resentment just brewing, which blocks connection. And like I mentioned, number three, you can't have sex with someone you resent. Sounds like common sense. But a lot of people in marriage don't even think about resentments. They're just frustrated that there's not enough sex. If you're frustrated that there's not enough sex, you should ask your partner, do you have any resentments toward me? They probably do. And that's probably why they're not open to sex. And think about different categories of resentment. So there could be a lack of emotional intimacy. That might be why. Lack of sexual intimacy. That could be why. There could be parenting resentments. There could be financial things that cause resentments. In-laws. It could be uneven workload. It could be feeling voiceless. The list goes on and on. When you're in a marriage or long-term relationship, there's so many areas that can start to rub us the wrong way, and that creates resentments. So create a list of those resentments, and then one by one, it's essential to work through those. Number two is build your friendship. So how do we do this? Well, first of all, it's pretty futile to build a friendship when you still have resentments. I don't want to be friends with you if I resent you. So if you want to grow closer together emotionally, you first have to clear out the resentments. So one way to start cultivating emotional intimacy is just spending more time together more quality time, asking each other questions. What was your high today? What was your low today? What are you stressed about? Listening to your partner, providing undivided attention. There's a tool for this called the head heart check that's in my marriage boot camp that we'll talk about later. But cultivating emotional intimacy is essential to building a friendship. What's a good friend? A good friend knows your life. They know what you're going through. They're there for you. Do you feel like that with your partner? Is your partner there for you? Does your partner know what you're going through? A lot of people are married, but feel very alone. And this is why. They're not nurturing that emotional intimacy. Another step is have regular dates. How often do you go on a date with your partner? We hear this a lot, like, oh, date your partner. But very few couples actually do this. So you want to have at least one date a week with your partner. And during that date, have fun. A lot of couples get in a rut and things get boring. We go to the movies every time or we go to dinner every time and it's kind of boring. It's okay to go to dinner and go out to the movies here and there, but try to change it up and think about something recreational. What could be fun? What do you guys like to do that would be fun together? Most couples 
their interests go opposite as they get older because they're not intentionally nurturing things they both like to do together. So you may have to do some research. What are some top activities that couples love to do together? Do some research around this to figure out of all these like hundreds of ideas, what, what are the top four to six you and I like to do together? What would be fun for both of us? Maybe you like to rock climb together. Maybe you like to go on bike rides or hiking or gardening or swimming. Think recreation and think fun and think about what would be fun for both of you. Because research shows when you have fun with your partner, it makes you feel more in love with them. Number three, start increasing your non-sexual touch. Too often, couples stop touching. And the only time the high libido partner touches is when they want to have sex. And the low libido partner picks up on that, and then they resent the sex. So you have to increase your non-sexual touching. And non-sexual touching means touching anything that's non-sexual. Think about every time you're near your partner, you should be touching them at least once. So you're both in the kitchen by the dishes, touch your partner, touch their back, touch their shoulder, touch their arm, touch something. You're in the car together, reach over, touch their leg or touch their hand. You first wake up in the morning, you give each other a hug. You come home from work, hug each other. Touch is essential. Because if you're low libido, you can't go from we never touch to intercourse. There needs to be a bridge. And one of those bridges is lots of affection, lots of non-sexual touch. You're watching a program together, touch each other's hands or legs. Lots of opportunities for touch, but most couples don't do it. And so that's another essential part to build your friendship is have a lot of non-sexual touch in your relationship. Number three is central activity and wooing. Central activity at this point should be added to your dates. It can happen over and beyond, but it's a wonderful thing to add to your dates. So central activity can be cuddling together with our underwear on, central massage together, a bath together with our bathing suits on, because this is not sexual. It might turn sexual, but it's not starting off sexual. That's why you keep your undergarments on. So let's imagine this for a moment. So one example is a central massage, like I said. So you'd want someone to be the giver, someone to be the receiver. After about 10, 15 minutes, you swap. So set the stage. This is where romance comes in. Dim the lights, play some music, get some chocolates, get some coconut oil. If you're the giver, you're just giving a massage to your partner non-sexually. And you're just learning about their body. You're focused on where they like to be touched and how they like to be touched, which leads to this point. If you're the receiver during the sensual time, practice positive redirect with affirmation. What that means is when your partner is touching you and you don't like how it feels, don't endure it. A lot of people just endure it. They're like, oh, I hate how she's touching me right now, but man, hopefully she'll be done soon. Or gosh, I hate it when he rubs my arm like that. It's so irritating. Hopefully he'll quit soon. Don't endure touch you don't like. Instead, redirect it. So if your partner is, let's say they're giving you light tickles on your arm and you hate light tickles, redirect it to something that would feel better. Maybe like a firm massage. So you tell them what to do instead. Then when they start doing the type of touch you like, you affirm it. 
that feels really great. Or wow, you're so good at that. Or that makes me feel amazing. That's the affirmation. So you're training your partner on how to non-sexually touch your body and where to touch your body. And then you take turns and you do it the other way around. So positive redirect with affirmation is imperative during your sensual time to make sure it feels the best it can for both of you. So wooing each other is important. If you think about the beginning of your dating relationship, you probably naturally wooed your partner. It's probably just a part of your courting process. It is for most couples. But once we're together for a while, we stop the wooing. But the challenge with wooing is to woo your partner in the way they receive love. So for example, if you're high libido, you may want to woo your partner sexually because you're high libido. So you may have this sexual energy and you see your partner at the sink and you think, I know what I'll do. I'll go, I'll go grab some body parts and I'm going to whisper something sexual in their ear. And you do that. And most likely that's going to turn off your partner. That's going to frustrate your partner because that's not how they're wired. So think about your sexual energy, converting it into your partner's energy, which is probably emotional. So instead of going up and groping them or saying something sexual to them, think about how would they feel loved? How can I redirect my sexual energy to their language, which is emotional? So maybe I would go up and just give them a hug and whisper what I love about them in their ear. That's going to make them feel loved. If you're low libido, you do the opposite. So your impulse might be, oh, there's my partner at the sink. I'm going to go up and just give them a hug and whisper something sweet in their ear. That may or may not make them feel loved because they're high libido. So they experience love more through sex, sexual energy. So instead, you may want to walk up to them and touch them sexually or whisper something sexual in their ear because that's going to equate to love for them. So that's an important area to think about with wooing is you want to woo your partner in the top way they experience love, not in the way you desire love. A lot of people get that backwards. So if you're high libido, some other options to woo would be increasing quality time, increasing emotional intimacy, increasing compliments, increasing affection. That's going to woo your low libido partner. If you're low libido, other options to woo your high libido partner would be flashing some of your body when you change or rubbing up against your partner when you pass them suggestively or sending them a suggestive text or suggestive photo. All of those options are going to make your high libido partner feel more loved. Okay, so once we've been building this pyramid, we've worked through resentments, we've been building the friendship. Now we're integrating sensual activity and wooing at the end of the central activity, that's if both partners are open to sexual contact, that's when you move into the sexual tier. But when you move into that sexual tier, think of it like a buffet. So if you go to Golden Corral, which we may go to tomorrow, if you think about a buffet, there's lots of options. It's not just main course or nothing. That's why people love buffets. Like, whoa, I could get a salad. I could get a little dish of this, a little dish of that. I could get a roll. I could get some mashed potatoes, whatever. You have options. Think of sex the same way. For example, some nights you may say, yeah, let's, let's just do everything above the waist tonight. Other nights you may say, yeah, let's do everything manual above and below the waist. Other nights you may say, yeah, let's do everything oral pleasure above and below the waist. 
Other times you may say, let's do everything, including intercourse. The advantage of thinking of it like a buffet is because low libido partners often feel like it's intercourse or nothing. And if that's the only two options on the table, often they're going to choose nothing. However, if they can feel like there's choices and there's options, they're going to buy into it more because now they have voice and choice. And that's the second point here. So when the low libido partner gets to pick and choose what the couple is going to do sexually, that brings back voice and choice. It gets it away from obligation sex. A lot of low libido partners are in this rut of obligation sex. I either go through the motions or I avoid, and neither of those are healthy. However, if you're building that pyramid and then you're getting up to the sexual tier, you have options. And that's a win-win because now the low libido partner is going to feel more engaged because they're having a choice of what happens. They're going to be more present. The high libido partner is going to appreciate it because that means some level of sexual contact is probably going to happen on a more regular basis. So it's also advantageous for them. So it creates a win-win for couples. And remember, for most low libido partners who are female, pleasure goes down after intercourse because there's not enough clitoral stimulation. So a lot of low libido partners will say, foreplay is my main event. And so that's where you want to really slow it down and really engage in the foreplay. Also, low libido partner sexuality is responsive, not spontaneous. What that means is that low libido partners will not feel arousal until after foreplay begins, not before it begins. So sensual activity is a way to build that arousal to optimize the chances of you wanting more. High libido partners, it's spontaneous. All they need usually is some type of sexual stimuli for a few seconds and they're aroused. Low libido, it's responsive. High libido is spontaneous. Number three, just like with sensual activity, during sexual contact, also practice positive redirect with affirmation. Too many couples are silent during sex. They're not saying anything. They're assuming what they're doing is working. They're trying to, you know, read their partner. Some of us get too focused on our partner's experience. Some of us get too focused on our experience and we lose track of our partner. But you want to practice the same skill set. So if your partner is touching you sexually in any way that you don't love, redirect it. Redirect what they're doing to something that feels better and then affirm it. Tell them how it feels. Tell them how amazing it's making you feel. Tell them how good they are at whatever they're doing that's making you feel that way. Vocalizing what they're doing right is really important, but they're not going to know what to do right unless you're redirecting what they're doing. So this is a powerful aphrodisiac as well. When you hear your partner redirect what you're doing and then affirm it with how good it's making them feel, that's very arousing. And so opening up lines of communication is essential for a healthy sex life. Okay, before we open up live q and I'm going to talk about the marriage boot camp just for a few moments to see if it might be a good match for some of you. So if you enjoyed what I've taught tonight, if you found some value in it, you definitely want to consider joining the marriage boot camp because it's more of the same. So here's some of the top things you're going to learn. One, you're going to learn how to heal your resentments. 
Okay. There's modules, there's tools. I'm in there for live support to help you work through your resentments. My top tool for this is the reunite tool. And there's the mini reunite tool, but it takes a lot of practice using the reunite tool. So I'm in there every week helping couples if they need support with their resentments, because that's where you have to start. It's also going to help you resolve conflicts. You're also going to learn how to cultivate emotional intimacy, also how to build your friendship. So all of these things we talked about that you need in that pyramid, the marriage boot camp will show you how. Also will help you develop sexual fireworks. So everything we talked about tonight is in the boot camp plus more. And so that you can continue to work on your sex life. But again, you have to first work on those base steps in the pyramid to sustain the healthy sex life. So this is what you get in the boot camp. You're going to get live teaching and Q&A with me once a week for support. So this is where I teach on a topic or I teach on a, a tool and then it's live Q&A. It's every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. So it's right after this. Uh, so that's helpful because you want to constantly be nurturing your relationship and you want to have support. A lot of people feel alone in their marital journey and you don't have to be. You also get access to my deep dive episodes of my podcast. So whenever I record a podcast, I record a second episode that's a deep dive, goes further. So that's only available in my boot camp so you can learn further. Number three, you're going to gain instant access to all my best marriage resources in the boot camp. And the fourth is you gain, gain access to my private community in the boot camp with other couples. You don't have to engage in it, but it's optional just so you don't feel alone in your journey of rebuilding your marriage. And these couples are learning the same tools as you. So it's nice to troubleshoot and ask questions. So this is my most affordable resource. This is only $49 a month per couple. To put that in perspective, if you were to see me in my practice for 45 minutes, it's $175. So it's, it's by, by large my most affordable resource since it's only 49 bucks a month per couple. There's also no minimum months required. So you can quit, cancel whenever you want to. There's no contract you're signing up for. So here's a few testimonies of couples who've been through the boot camp. Here's another one. And here's a third one. And as a bonus, if you sign up to the marriage boot camp by midnight tonight, I'm giving away a free 30 minute session with me, one on one, me and you and your partner. If you sign up by midnight, so that's $120 value to see me for 30 minutes. And so, again, that's a bonus. So if you're interested in the boot camp, you're like, huh, this might be helpful. Make sure you sign up by midnight tonight. And then on top of everything else, you get a free 30 minute session with me to ask me anything you want. I can help you with any tools, help you troubleshoot, give you feedback, anything you want to talk to me about regarding your marriage. You get that for free if you sign up by midnight tonight. Okay, so I'm going to stop sharing now my screen. I'm going to open up to Q&A. And so just be thinking about what questions do you have? What do you want to ask me? And I'm going to post the link to the bootcamp in the chat. But also, if you go to my website, drwyattfisher.com, you can look for the bootcamp page and just click there. And then you'll see all the information on the bootcamp as well. Just ask me whatever's on your mind. What do you want to clarify or pick my brain on? Anything I covered on the bedroom.
So that's all. Thanks for joining and hope you guys have a good night.